You're listening to the Story of Agriculture podcast. Hello, podcast listeners. I'm Michaela Price, and I'm in the studio today with some of our team, BJ Ike and Drew Boatner. Hi. Hey, Michaela. <laughs> in this episode, we will be giving tips on how to make a great entry for our Capture Agriculture contest or just make content for your business. Share insights on the types of equipment we use, and we'll announce the judge for our contest. Thanks for joining me. You're welcome. Thanks for having us. It's great to be here. Glad to have you. Thanks for making a a little break from the grind here. Absolutely. Uh, Well, BJ, at Herdmark, your role is CEO and founder. What does that mean? That's a good question. (laughs) (laughs) The, um, uh, that means that, that, uh, several years ago I decided to start a business and, um, that, 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 uh, I run the day-to-day business operations, but, uh, also I really enjoy the creative part of it. And so I'm still pretty involved in that. So you talked a little bit about what you do day to day, um, but on shoots and things like that, what do you do? Well, um, we have a lot of different roles that need filled on video shoots. I tend to either direct or operate the camera on the video shoots, some combination thereof. Uh, since Drew joined the team back, uh, what, in September? September. September. Mm-hmm that uh, Drew brought those very similar skill sets. So we do a lot of trading off now of, of that. And we collaborate a lot on what the creative for a specific project is going to look like in the pre-production phase too. Cool. So how long have you been taking photos, making videos, and kind of what got you into it? I started uh, taking pictures of animals that I had raised when I was um, in college. And then uh, after school, I started taking um, pictures as part of my job for the American Maine Andrew Association. I had to take pictures sometimes for the magazine. And I enjoyed having a camera in my hands and trying to make something uh, creative. I wasn't the I wasn't excited about necessarily just taking pictures of a show or an event, but when they said, hey, we need a picture for the cover, we need something really pretty, I would have a lot of fun going out and trying to find a good scene and trying to capture that scene in a, in a way that was worthy of the magazine cover. And so uh, that's really kind of where photography took root. And um, uh, and then then I started a livestock photography business, which we ran for seven years before we started Herdmark. And so I was a full-time photographer uh, for seven years. And here we are today. Indeed. <laughs> so, Drew, here at Herdmark, your role is creative lead. What does that mean? What do you do? 
Well, really, um, I just try to be a champion for creativity and innovation in, in what we're doing. Try to always push the envelope. And um, sometimes it takes a couple of people on a team to push each other to you can kind of get in a creative rut sometimes. And um, so I try to just help us all think outside the box and um, create content that is refreshing and inspiring um, and just kind of insert myself into all the different phases of production, whether it's pre-production, production, post-production. Um, and just try to make awesome content for our clients. Drew, by the way, had a video act like go real viral a couple weeks ago, for real. Yeah, was it what upwards of six million? Uh, it was actually by my math, in about a week's time, was around twelve million views. Holy between man. Facebook, Twitter, um, and YouTube. Yeah, uh, it was what pretty incredible. T tell tell them about what you did. Drew, Drew was working on a personal project. Yeah. Waiting I, on the baby to come. I was waiting at home. My wife and I were watching Bird Box on Netflix. And um, after I watched it, I watched the trailer. And I was like, man, the audio of this would really go well with some scenes from the TV show from The Office. And I immediately, like, I could just see it, like, exactly what I wanted to do. So I went in and sat down on the computer. It was, like, 10 o'clock at night. Four hours later, I had this video. And I do this kind of stuff a lot where I just, like have an idea, I do something dumb, no one else sees it, and I just go on. But my wife was like, you should post that. She's like, that's funny. And so <laughs> I did, and it just started taking off. I couldn't believe it. And it was, it was a really cool study of um, the power of content on the Internet and seeing how it can take off. Um, I never in my wildest dreams thought it would get 500,000 views, let alone 12 million. Um, and I learned a lot of stuff from that. It was really awesome. It was pretty cool. You should look it up uh, if you haven't seen it. Yeah, we shared it on our Facebook page. Yeah, we did. Uh, well, it sounds like you guys are pretty great at making photos and videos, so why don't we talk about um, how to make those photos and videos for our Capture Agriculture Photo and Video Contest. The contest has three categories, video, agriculture through the lens with an open division, and sharing our story. So, BJ, what makes a good entry? Well, I think that a good entry um, has been always something that's technically correct, that the exposure and so forth of the image is, is solid. But also, I think what makes a good image is always that it tells about a story that informs us in some way or another about what's going on in that image and, and I'm kind of referencing a still frame at a moment at the moment but um, you know I think that that you want to you always want your pictures to lead people somewhere to show them the inside of something that they haven't seen or experienced in that way and and when you're able to do that it really sticks out as unique yeah just jumping in like i think the big thing is if it if your image or video can i think the big thing is emotion and it can put the viewer uh right in the spot of that video so if you're taking a picture of something out in the field and it's cold like it is today and you can see the breath of the animal and somebody's looking at that they're they're immediately taken to that moment they're like oh it is cold out there and you're looking in the eyes of that animal and you're kind of like think about the story of that um, 
I think that's what creates really good content when it immediately transports you to that place in time and, and you can make the, the viewer think about it's they can create the story when they're looking at a picture like you know where where, where was this where are they going um who who is this yeah. person or what is this animal yeah. what are they, yeah. what did they just do how old are they you know they can create the story themselves but you just put them in that time and place and i think that's the key to captivating something. really you give the imagination something to work with right. i think as a photographer <laughs> that's So when you're going out to shoot photos or videos, do you have to start with the story first? That's a tough question. I, I, I would say no. Um, I think sometimes you can stumble into a story um, and sometimes you can capture something and create a story based on what you capture or leave the story up to the viewer. Um, but I think story is essential, um, but you could probably go about it either way. Yeah, I think that... You know, in our business of what we do, we tend to be in the position where we must engineer the story before we uh, go shoot it because we have clients that need to approve the ideas and the concepts and so forth. But I think that there's a lot to be said for going somewhere and capturing what's there, especially uh, as a photographer, I feel like you go to say you go to a farm and you're observing what's happening and you'll find yourself being drawn into things and drawn into moments and drawn into uh objects and if you uh follow that little kind of call to go see what's there that's where you find the story and i think that uh, the first step is showing up and taking a lot of frames or setting up a lot of shots and getting uh, yourself some practice and and really studying the world around you. And, and when you do that and capture it on film or digitally, I guess, then um, um, you start to find a knack for, for putting that story in the frame. Absolutely. So, Drew, technically speaking, what are the principles that allow for an image to tell a story like that? Well, um, you know, like I said, I, I think you want to be able to clearly, you know, provoke emotion out of an image. Um, but technically, I mean, there's some things I guess you have to have, right? You have to. Um, well, I would I would say this. I'm a big believer in like video and images are art and that they yeah. don't always have to follow a rule. Um, I think there are really good rules to follow out there out there that really lend an image or a video to like feel good um, to the viewer. But I never would discount something because it didn't follow a certain rule. Um, but having said that, I mean, some of the simple things to follow technically are focus you want your subject to be in focus or whatever it is you want the viewer's eye to go to first should be in focus obviously um and i think you know exposure and color are big things um i know bj hit on that too but um you know you w as long as you can clearly see what you want to be seen i think that's really important and i know we're talking about video as well um but i think like clear audio is really important yeah. um 
and I think what it really comes down to is just being intentional about what you want the viewer to see. If if you're supposed to be hearing the natural sound, you need to be able to hear it clearly. If you're mm -hmm. not supposed to be hearing it, you shouldn't hear it. If you should be seeing um, this uh, subject in focus, it needs to be in focus. Um, be very intentional about those things, and and I I think that's that's how I approach it. Um, and you know, the other thing I would throw in is like a tripod for video, um, making making it smooth. Don't distract from the fact that you know your camera's wobbly um, when it doesn't yeah. need to, unless that's what you're going for. Then, then shake it up. Yeah, shake it up. <laughs> the other thing I think is, um, um, you know, you're always going to be working on composition and mastering what's a what's a natural composition for this scene, and that, I think that I encourage a lot of people just go out and shoot on auto mode. And let the camera do that work and you focus on composition because i think that composition ha meaning how do you choose to frame your subject in the frame uh where concentrating like drew said on where do you want the viewer's eyes to go uh, when they look at this scene or this image uh, i think that doing a lot of work on composition is uh, the easiest way to make mileage out of uh, things that aren't necessarily all that unique. Um, for example, you know, uh, uh, another picture of a flower in a field is just a picture of a flower in the field until it's framed up uniquely, and and um, and and it shows you. Um, something leads you to it and makes you wonder more. It has that intrigue factor. Um, and I think that you can create a ton of intrigue with, um, with composition. Sure, I wanna go back to a second from what you Drew was saying um, about, you know, you wanna have your subject in focus, um, make sure that that's not blurry. I hear a lot of people ask about, how do I get a blurry background? Can you dive a little deeper on that? So the um, uh, that that look of a of a blurry background is created by a couple of things. Um, um, one is the aperture of the camera, and so the more open your aperture is, meaning the lower number that you're using. And a lot of lenses, and, and this contest is for college students, so you probably a lot of people shooting on kit lenses with a, you know, f three five maximum aperture, and and um, you want to open those lenses up, but also you can you can cheat those kit lenses a lot with with zoom, and and get farther from your subject and really zoom into it. And then you'll see uh, more depth of field, um, or excuse me, you would have a more shallow depth of field and a blurred out background. Uh, so zoom has a factor on it too. And so um, predominantly you wanna control the aperture. Uh, lenses that allow you to really open that aperture up are uh, very expensive and not, within everyone's reach. So a good way to cheat that 
is to is to use that zoom factor that contributes to blurry backgrounds and just get further from your subject and zoom into it your aperture could actually be stopped down a little bit on a kit lens you know if uh, you would have um, I'm going into way too much technical <laughs> detail here but on a, on a kit lens um, you would you would see that even though your aperture was more stopped down at say 55 millimeters than it is at 18 you you're gonna see a blurrier background on your images that are that you're at the end of your focal length Great. so you can ask about that more in detail <laughs> later. <laughs> that got a little mathematical. Well, that being said, if someone is entering the contest, what kind of camera do you suggest they use? Whatever they can get their hands on, I think. Yeah, I think, you know, it, um, it's amazing where we are today, even just five years ago, of the quality that you can get. Um, video and still images from your iPhone or any phone really um, and you can really do some amazing stuff and the only thing that the you know more expensive cameras and, and gear are gonna they're just gonna help you um, take less chances you know they're they're made that you're gonna get that good shot every time it might take you a few times to get it on your iPhone and but um, you can still use that and create awesome content and edit it for you know, there's there's tons of software out there that you can edit with. So I don't think you need to go out and spend $10,000 on a camera um, to get an awesome shot. It's going to help. Um, it's going to take a lot of the effort and guesswork out of getting stuff done. But um, There's a reason professionals use professional tools. Sure. But professionals are also capable of producing great stuff with tools that are inadequate because of experience. Mm -hmm. And typically that's because they started with tools that were inadequate. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and I think that like when I started taking pictures, you know, of, of like, um, gosh, I can't even remember what the megapixels of a camera were, but it was a, a fraction of what you can get today in a off the shelf kit kind of can so like the cameras that are cheap on the shelves of Best Buy today and the camera that's in your iPhone is way better camera than I started my professional photography business with mm -hmm. 10 years ago and technology is just changing so fast i think that um um we give too much credence to big numbers and so forth because they're selling points. They're nice for the guy in the store to be like, yeah, this camera has 800 megapixels, but um, uh, most of the time they don't make a big difference into what that end result is going to look like. That's really up to you. Mm -hmm. Just kind of start with what you got and keep working up. That's the best thing to do. Mm-hmm. I, can I interject sure, one more thing? Mm -hmm. And a lot of people ask, like, what camera should they buy? And I just, I think that um, one of the things I learned over the years um, was that it's way better to use what you have until you outgrow it. 
and that you know exactly why you're moving to the next level and why you're choosing to make that investment. Um, because it could be easy to be tempted to go out and spend a thousand or two thousand or five thousand dollars on new camera equipment because you don't think your equipment is good enough but until you're able to really maximize what you've got in your kit already and really know that inside and out i don't think it's a worthwhile investment to go spend more money on camera equipment cool i don't know what do you think Drew? yeah i think i think wear out what you have um, get the most that you can out of it and I think you said it best just wait until you absolutely need to and know exactly why you need to make that big investment yeah. awesome um, so while we're again still talking about equipment what types of things do we take on our shoots that aid in us producing great videos well we carry a lot of stuff <laughs> yeah I think you know, when, and we had to buy a do. bigger car so yeah. we could put all of it in. <laughs> can skip the workout in the morning. <laughs> That's right. In what we do, I mean, I think we always need to be overprepared. Um, you know, when we're making important videos for clients, we need to make sure we have pretty much everything that we could possibly think we might need with us when we're on a shoot that might be six or more hours away. Uh, so we take a lot. But, you know, there's some definitely some tools that, like mo external monitors um, that you don't need but make the job so much easier. Um, you know, we have some some different sorts of tripods, jibs, sliders um, that, you know, you, you don't need that to create a video, but it's going to make it so much smoother on that move than if you're using it freehand um, or if you needed to stabilize it in, in, um, in post-production. So we, you know, I don't know if you're looking for specific things, but, you know, we monitors... Um, are a huge thing that really up your game. Um, audio, uh, boom mics, those sorts of things. Um, like I mentioned, jib, slider. Uh, What's the basic kit, though? Like, say, hey, Drew, we need to get on an airplane this afternoon and interview this person tomorrow and get B-roll of them. That's that's the basic video, right? Mm -hmm. What what do you what do you put in the kit? You can only carry on. Yep, we're taking our camera bag that's got both of our cameras in it we're taking our monitor kit um, so we have an external monitor to really see what that is look like when we're on set and we're not really guessing through a small LCD screen um, we're taking our tripod we are going to take our audio kit so we can have uh, good clean audio uh, we can either mic them up uh, with a you know, lapel on their shirt or we can have our boom overhead uh, and if we got enough space we're taking our movie um, for b-roll <laughs> and that's a stabilizing uh, piece of equipment that we can run around and the camera stays stable um, that's that'd be pretty much a basic kit i think yeah mm -hmm. i i mean i think that a lot of people pertaining to this contest like the if you have a camera that captures video and you have a tripod and you have some kind of external audio recorder so that you can get clean audio um, or maybe not external recorder, but a, a microphone, right? You need a, a, a microphone to get that clean audio. Other than the imperative. one built into the camera. Right, yeah. And so if you have those three pieces, 
like in your imagination you're on your way yep mm-hmm. that's the basis and one thing about a tripod just to throw this in too is there's photo tripods and there's video tripods and the difference is that a video tripod has a fluid head that's man to pan and tilt easily you can use a photo tripod to stabilize your shots and so forth and that works and you you can do that uh you can also use a monopod but um um there is a difference between photo tripods and video tripods if you're trying to um put a kit together to go make a video you you probably want a video tripod and tripods can be really expensive but if you take care of them they can last forever oh yeah so ours is like yeah. 10 years old and it's been through war mm-hmm. <laughs> we still use it every day great well you guys are mentioning a lot of equipment that's a lot of stuff to carry it's a lot of work why should people do this why should they take the time to make the video and enter it in a contest Drew's waiting on me. Go. <laughs> no, uh, I mean, I I just love content, and I think content is huge. These, you know, I mean, so look at social media, and people obviously love to consume content, and um, you know, I think it is a is just a great way to to share anything is through a picture of it or a video of it, um, and it's a huge field. It's a huge industry, and um, I think if you are, if this interests you at all, this is a great way to just get out and get started in it. And I know a lot of people who, I mean, I don't know, I'm sure PJ, so many people, I'm one of them, you're probably one included, you just start messing around with a camera and now look at you, it's what you do for a living because you fall in love with it. So many people just pick it up as a little hobby um, and then they realize this is really fun and I can actually make a living doing it. Um, And so... I think that's, you know, a contest like this is going to get you out and get you try and mess with your camera, see what you like, and you never know where it could take you. I think that um, students in particular need to try a lot of things and find out what they like and what they don't like in order to shape their career path and, and figure out what to chase and what direction to go. I think that a contest like this provides an opportunity to quickly chase this, win a little money. That's not a bad thing, right? Yeah. Especially if you're a starving college student. And then um, I think that um, one, of the, one of the really big things is experience. To put those items in your portfolio that show what you're actually physically capable of producing when you graduate from college and go to uh, job interviews and you can say, hey, I can make this thing. I did this project. I built that. Then people can people uh, assign value to what you're capable of. And when you have representative samples of your work to show, it's real easy to get a job. So at Herdmark, we also enter contests. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, we um, enter some clients. Our clients, or excuse me, we have entered some contests. I think that uh, our clients enter contests, and the reason that we do that is 
to sharpen the saw to see how we how our thing is uh to see how what we make is stacking up against uh our competition i don't really think of them as competition i just against what other people are making to see what people think are trendy and interesting and so forth we get feedback from performance of our work right and oh that video got a million views or that video got 500,000 views that's great but uh it's also nice to enter contests and get feedback from other professionals about your work and and um um uh, competition keeps you on your edge i think drew talked about um providing that edge creatively and and pushing to make uh awesome stuff um um i think that's super important and i think unless you put that work out there for people to evaluate then you haven't really fully uh, engaged the process Um, so before we announce our judge, I want to touch on a few more things. We talked a lot about the video, um, and how to create a good video, but we also have two photo category categories. We have agriculture through the lens and sharing our story. Can you talk a little bit more about what those are? Yeah. So I think what we did, um, the intent was to recognize kind of a purist form of photography um and then in the agriculture through the lens category and and so that's just photos right and then the um what's the second category called sharing our story. sharing our story is uh to add in that component of design or to give the contestant the option to add in that component of design and and say okay I took this great picture now here's here we can add design to it to aid the story and i think that what that really does is replicate the um career path for ag comm students where you're you're going into those entry level ag compositions and they're saying to you create social media content right and so um when you can add your design work to your image to aid the story uh, and and really blend those two pieces together. And design should complement the image, right? Not take away from it. When you do that well and, and your design complements your image, that's what we're looking for in that second category. Sharing our story. Mm-hmm. Awesome. Well, I think most of the people listening are questioning what are the most important things that we need to know for this contest so can we just give a quick summary of what they need to know well i think you need to know that you need to go out there and shoot a lot and and have fun and try to create something that invokes a f- emotion that uh, people will find interesting something that has intrigue something that people will pay attention to right attention is our commodity in a digital world time and we trade time for attention we get we only have so much time 
where we give our attention is where we think is valuable. So you need to be able to capture people's attention with your work. And that is, um, I think that's the core of what you need to know. And just go shoot, have fun. Yeah, I think that's it. You just got to go out and do it. You, you can overthink it and overanalyze it. And, um, you know, we've talked about a lot of things that make good um, videos and photos. And you might not have all of them in every single piece you produce, but you won't have any of them if you don't just go out and try it. Yeah, for sure. Repetition is a huge piece of the game when you're getting started. Just go do it. Mm-hmm. Great. Well, for all of you that have been dying to figure out who our judge is, <laughs> I'd like I'd like to have a little drum roll, please. The special guest judge is Scott Stebner. So Scott. Li- yeah. A little bit about Scott. He is a creative agricultural communicator. He has a passion for creating environmental portraits that empower the agricultural community. He has work that's, that can be seen from national magazine advertisements to newspapers to websites and promotional material of family farms and ranchers. He can be found in Manhattan, Kansas, doing what he loves. So be sure to watch our field notes section on our website for more information about Scott. And take a look back at episode two of the Story of Agriculture podcast. That's way back. Yeah, it is. Where BJ talked to Scott about what it's like to photograph professional bull riders. Well, thanks, guys, for making time to be on the podcast today. You're welcome. Thank you. I hope that our listeners gain tons of information that they can apply to our Capture Agriculture contest. If you're interested in applying, head over to our website at herdmarkmedia.com slash capture ag. Go enter. Good luck. The Story of Agriculture podcast is brought to you by Herdmark Media. We tell the story of agriculture. Want to meet more amazing people in agriculture? Be sure to subscribe to this podcast in iTunes. Come behind the scenes of our current projects and watch as we work on America's farms and ranches. Just head on over to our Facebook page. You can find us by searching Herdmark Media. That's H-E-R-D-M-A-R-K Media. You can also follow our feeds on Instagram and Twitter at Herdmark Media. To know more about us, visit our website, herdmarkmedia.com. While you're there, be sure to click Join the Herd. Let us help you tell the story of agriculture. Join the Herd today.